Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Heater. And recently in the Facebook group, I made a post asking if you could ask me anything and have me address it on a podcast, what would you ask me? And this episode is one of those questions. This week, we are talking about troop camp. Now, this is still, I'm going to still list this under the Ask Me Anything series because some of you did ask for some information about stuff related to this. And Jamil had actually already put a bunch of notes together for us about troop camp specifically. Now, I'm going to do some other episodes around the actual questions you guys asked. Some people wanted outdoor progression, and some people were specifically looking for tips and ideas for older girls, including camp, but also beyond camp. So this is going to be an episode all about troop camp. There's a couple of different ways that we can experience camp in Girl Scouts. There's obviously residential camp and day camp, which we've talked about day camp recently on this podcast. And residential camp is that typical summer camp experience that takes place at our summer camps. It's overnights and they're usually like three to five days. But as girls get a little bit older, they can be longer. Residential camp is the summer camp program that is put on by Girl Scout councils. And day camp can be put on by council. It can be put on by service units. Day camp could be put on in a lot of different contexts. Then we also have encampment, which is service unit camping, where a bunch of troops come together to camp together. Family camp is when families of the Girl Scout community come together. So it'd be like a girl and her parents and maybe even her siblings are going to come camping and so they're camping in their own tent unit or whatever with as the family, but it's a community of families there. And then, of course, we have troop camping where your troop packs up and hits the road and goes camping as a troop. When it comes to troop camp, we want to definitely stick to progression suggestions from Girl Scouts. And I know you guys have asked for a progression-specific episode, and I'm going to tackle it. I'm also going to link here an episode I've done in the past about progression because I have talked a little bit about it before, but there's definitely room to keep talking about it, of course. Progression basically means that as girls get older and they have more experience, they're more prepared to take on greater challenges. And so we need to start at the beginning and make sure that girls are getting the foundational experience that they need to build on continuously in order to pursue these higher and higher challenges. With little girls in particular, we have a lot of issues where girls are not necessarily ready to be away from mom and dad for an overnight or for a whole weekend or for several days. And so you want to make sure that they're getting more and more experience with being away from mom and dad or that they have a parent who comes as a chaperone if that's necessary. So some ideas would be to start with day trips and then continuously make them a little bit longer each time. Also, try an overnight with your girls, but make sure you're staying really close to home. That way, if they need to be picked up or if they need a quick visit of encouragement from a parent, it's going to be easier on everybody. We also did in my troop, we did our first, we were fortunate enough that we had this option and, and not everybody does, but 
we did our first sleepovers in the same room where we had our troop meetings. So girls were not only close to home, but they were in a space that was really familiar and that felt really safe and comfortable for them because they had been coming there for regular troop meetings. So I would encourage you to find out if something like that is possible for your girls wherever you meet. But similarly, trying to pick a location that's familiar to them, even if you can't do necessarily the exact place where you have your troop meetings, something that's really familiar to them that they've been to before and is going to feel a little bit less new and unknown. We also want to allow them to get used to being outside for extended periods of time. Research shows that kids are just not spending as much time outside anymore. And so they may not be comfortable outdoors. They may feel bored outdoors. They may be intimidated by being outdoors. And so we just want to spend time outside. So we want to start doing engaging outdoor activities with the girls and allow them to see the fun that can happen when they spend time outside. You can do day hikes or visit local parks. And it's just important for them to see and experience weather, animals, including bugs, and basically all that Mother Nature has to offer before they commit to like full-on camping. So that's another thing that we did with my troop is we started doing a lot of hikes and really trying to get girls to just develop some comfort with the outdoors, but also some outdoor skills and comfort level when it comes to staying hydrated and knowing their body and listening to their body's cues and things like that. And learning about how to um, mind the environment and how to dress, what to wear, what shoes to wear, what is comfortable outside, what's going to give them good mobility, um, you know, tying their hair back or wearing a hat or a visor, um, and so on and so forth, carrying their water bottle with them at all times, all those kinds of things. Like doing those activities like the day hikes really helped get our girls used to those kind of basics so that once we went camping, that was a little bit easier. As girls get older, it's also important to make sure that you're doing progression. So if you girl have girls that join the troop a little bit later, you've already been doing progression with your girls who have been in the troop for longer and um, you may make some assumptions about their independence level based on their age group and the girls that you already know. But the reality is that we have to make sure that girls are all experiencing progression and they have the opportunity to work their way up to be really comfortable and confident outdoors and that they're going to be safe and happy with the activities that they're doing. So you want to always make sure that you're starting at the beginning and, and providing opportunities for girls to work their way up and build their way up and communicating with families to know what experience they may already have. Some families may have a lot of experience camping. Some girls may have attended summer camps outside of Girl Scouts, and some girls have never been away from home overnight. Once you do get to the point where you're ready to troop camp, you want to consider where you camp the actual location of a property very seriously. So a lot of times you'll have an option to go to a Girl Scout camp property, but there's some things to consider. In a lot of scenarios, a Girl Scout camp property is going to be a great option for a first-time troop camp experience. We know that they have a ranger on-site or a camp manager on-site who's a great resource 
And chances are your council has already thought of everything and they're prepared to receive the girls. They know what the girls, what you and your girls are going to need while you're camping. And for a lot of girls, they may be familiar with that camp property if they're attending summer camp. Now, for some of us, there is not a Girl Scout camp property that's close by. Um, Just depending on how your council is shaped and how far away you are from camp, it might be far away. So where I live, I'm in Arizona, there is a camp, and I'm in Phoenix, there is a camp in Phoenix, but for part of the year, it is way too hot for us to camp in Phoenix. So it's really a lot better for us to get up north in the state in our hotter months, in our hotter season, because when we go further north, we have higher elevation and um, the weather is just generally a lot more simple for first-time campers, for early campers. But at the same time, our camp properties are a good two to three hours away from where I live in Phoenix. So it's just a little bit far if you have not worked your way up to the girls being ready to be gone overnight or especially for two nights or three nights that far away from home. It's just not going to be simple for a mom to be able to come pick up her kid if she can't make it through the night. So your girls are going to have to be able to make it through the entire weekend or whatever you're going. If you're going to a property that is not a Girl Scout property, then you're going to want to check with your council because they often have not just approved lists of places to camp, they also probably have recommendations. And they're probably also familiar with the kind of geographic layout of your council. So they may be able to help you identify places that are close to where your troop is based. And also check with other local troops in your service unit and find out what their recommendations are. It's really important that you stick to the recommendations that you can get from the Girl Scout community because the safety of the girls always has to be the first priority. And as girls get older and more confident in their outdoor skills, they can start seeking out new places to visit, which of course requires council approval. You also really want to consider if you're going to be doing um, tent camping or cabin camping. So generally, I think cabin camping tends to be an assumption that that should come before tent camping as far as progression goes. But I think that it can it can be kind of created equal. Um, it might feel like at face value that a um, cabin has more similarities to a house because it has four walls and a roof. But technically, I guess so does a tent. But uh, the reality is that a lot of cabins still don't have running water. They still don't have plumbing in the actual cabin, so you have to go to the bathroom either in the woods or to a separate bathroom location. Some tent sites, you may be able to get a tent site that's right next to a bathroom. You might be, you might have an easier time finding tent sites that are close to home. Where I live, it is so much easier to find tent sites than it is to find cabin sites, especially cabins that can house like a whole group of people. So Girl Scout camps certainly have that, but our like state parks and things like that, the ones that do have cabins tend to be more geared toward a family. 
So in order to accommodate my whole troop, we would have had to get like all of the cabins at one time, which first of all is going to be really hard to reserve. And second of all, they're not necessarily right on top of each other and close to each other. It's just not the same experience as all the girls being together. And so for us, tent camping actually came more quickly in progression because we could be close to home and we got the site that was closest to the bathroom or not the closest, but it was very close. And it was just really easy on the girls to be able to deal with their progression in a tent. It was perfectly fine. So we did work up to it. We did indoor overnights first. And um, one of the recommendations in progression is to do like backyard camping, which we didn't do exactly. I mean, you could kind of call it that with the sleepover, but that was technically indoors. So um, we really didn't exactly do that. But Anyways, progression is not a science. It's not a literal checklist that you have to prove to anyone that you did. It's more just recommendations and guidelines to help you ensure that the girls are getting progressively more challenging and complex scenarios so they never find themselves just completely out of their element. Okay, next tip for troop camping is to really be as prepared as possible. So plan, plan, and plan some more. Here's some things to consider. You need to have an emergency plan. So who's going to contact who if there's an emergency or if plans change? You want to make sure you have all of the emergency paperwork together. So one recommendation is to keep them in a binder inside plastic sleeves, which will hold up a little bit better in the weather. You need to make sure that um, everybody, if you're driving separately, if you have separate vehicles, that each driver also has emergency information for all the girls in their cars. Typically, what I like to do is put together a binder or some kind of um, packet for each driver. And I also personally like to have a copy of every single girl who's present. I personally like to have all of their information for myself as well so that, you know, it's all in one (laughs) easy, easily accessible space. And then you also need to have an opportunity to be able to make sure parents can get information from home. So one recommendation is to consider using a group messaging app for parent communication. So in most free communication apps, including WhatsApp or GroupMe, parents can easily mute the chat if their girl is not present. But in theory, you wouldn't be using it just for like a ton of chatting you would specifically use it for important conversation only or important communication only. But they do also allow for exchanging pictures, PDFs, um, and other cool tools. So if there are parents who need to send you over, you know, anything to do with health or anything like that, if something were to happen, that would be an easy way for them to get it to you. You can also consider a phone tree. So this would be where One or two people call one person and then they call the next person and so on and so forth. So that way the leaders aren't stuck making 20 phone calls to all of the parents trying to explain everything. And you also need to have kind of backup plans where if you're the one who has an emergency, there's another adult present who can carry out the emergency situation, the emergency protocol to make sure that parents have the information that they need. 
Another part of planning is the girls' plans. So you want to get your girls involved in planning what they want to do at camp. And again, I'm just going to reiterate like I do in every single episode like this. Girl-led can look like a lot of different things, but in general, sometimes girls are going to be able to plan the whole thing from start to finish, and sometimes girls are going to need a little bit more help. Depending on their experience level, if it's something they've never done before, they may not know what to plan. And also, if they're little, then they may not be able to just plan an entire camping trip. So allowing them to make choices also counts as being girl-led. But basically, as your girls, uh, wherever they are, both, you know, emotionally and with experience, this is an opportunity for them to learn how to budget, how to collaborate, and even how to compromise. One thing that they want to plan or help you plan is definitely meals. So they can definitely make their own meals at camp, but we want to try to prep as much as possible before we go. So we don't want to have to wait until camp to cut vegetables and fruit if it's something that can be cut up ahead of time. If you don't have to cook it on site, you can also consider prepping meats before you go too. So a really common camp dinner is called walking tacos, which basically you put all the taco fix-ins that you want into a chip bag, usually like a Fritos bag, instead of um, tortilla chips or a tortilla. And then they eat uh, the taco meat and fix-ins right out of that chip bag. In that example, you could go to camp with raw meat in a cooler, or you can pre-make the taco meat, freeze it, and take it on ice. And that way, it's acting as an ice pack, but it's also safely defrosting enough during the day to be heated for dinner. The bottom line is that when your girls are hungry, they'll be hungry, and you want to make it easier on yourself and be as prepared for mealtimes as possible so they don't just take, like, hours and hours and they're way more complicated than they need to be. And with things like chopping and whatnot, you just want to minimize the opportunity for injuries as much as possible if you can do it ahead of time. So you're going to need to plan meals for the entire duration of the trip. You're also going to want to work with girls to plan activities so they can decide if they want to earn badges, patches, or complete a journey. They can decide if they want to try new things or enjoy favorite pastimes. And they can develop a flexible schedule. And so you want to be prepared with two things. One is that you want to have time fillers for the whole group. If the girls find themselves with extra time that they want to fill, if something gets done earlier, if something doesn't work out, then um, you need to have some activities to fill the time. So consider ahead of time what that could look like. It could be card games if you have a rainy day. It could be skits, it could be field games, four square scavenger hunts, um, all kinds of games and activities that might work for contingency planning. And you might not even need to pull these out. Um, and you can always figure out stuff just kind of on the fly based on your girls. I've shared this on this podcast before, but one of the things my girls always wanted to do to fill time, and it's something that we pulled out quite often, is we would do charades. It just was like a troop favorite and a kind of a troop tradition. We would do charades. If we finished our meeting plans ahead of time, we would play charades until pickup and so on and so forth. So it just became a thing that they were very used to. So if we had downtime, that definitely would have been something they would want to do. Also, you can do, you know, hand games and songs. 
Girl Scout songs, but in that case, if you don't know them, you probably need to learn them before you go or learn a handful anyway. And then the second thing that you definitely need to plan when it comes to flexibility is you need to plug in some downtime. One reason is because some things are going to go over, they're going to take longer, and they're not going to go as planned. And so you need some flexibility with some flex time built in. But also, girls get very tired. It's a lot of socialization. And it's just good for their imagination and creativity and their personal relationship development to plan some downtime, quiet time, solo time, whatever. Maybe the girls will want to enjoy sitting outside chatting or reading a book solo. They might draw or write. They might go walk around, connect with each other, walk around the campsite, connect in small groups. But you want to kind of build this into 30 minutes to an hour at a time for flex time. And that will allow girls to make choices about how they want to spend that time. They can kind of get a little more introverted and take their own time. They could take naps, whatever, or they can interact with their other sister, Girl Scout sisters if that's what they want to do. Okay, another thing to do in the planning category is make sure you double check any and all equipment you're taking with you before you go to camp and include the girls in this if you can. If you're taking a camp stove, you want to make sure you've got enough propane. You want to check your flashlights and lanterns for working batteries. You want to make sure your tarps and tents are free from holes or punctures and so on and so forth. You want to make sure that you have everything you need. And so speaking of that, you need to also inventory what equipment your troop already has before you buy anything. And a lot of families have equipment that can be used. So kind of make a list of the stuff that you're sort of looking for and then reach out and see what people might have that you can borrow. If you're camping at a Girl Scout property, a lot of times they have equipment that you can use or borrow. And often this is something that you would need to set up ahead of time and it may have a low price involved in borrowing it for a little like maintenance fee. This could be anything from pots and pans to fishing rods, even tents. So just double check if you are camping at a Girl Scout property, what kind of equipment they might have that you have access to. And some places like REI and even local outdoor and sports shops will rent gear. So if you aren't ready to invest in a tent or a camp stove for your troop, or if you don't have a place to store it, you can go ahead and rent it. This is a great time to develop an electronics policy with your girls. And there's no right or wrong policy, but just be sure to establish expectations before camp and share that with parents so they can be supportive. Generally speaking, my rule of thumb with my own troop was always the girls shouldn't bring anything with them that would be devastating if it got lost or damaged. And if there's something that they're going to be emotionally invested in, if it were to get lost or damaged, they should not bring it to camp. And that could be anything from like an iPhone, which would obviously be a problem if it got lost or damaged, but it could also be like something really sentimental. So you know, a baby blanket or something like that. If there, if that girl is going to be really devastated if it doesn't make it home or if it gets ruined, then just don't bring it. And if they choose to bring it, it is what it is. Many girls, as they get older, do have their own phones. In my troop, it was never an issue of girls using phones during troop time. So I never really had to make a rule around that. 
And frankly, I liked as they got older that they could take their own pictures so they would have their own keepsake. But uh, for camp, a lot of my girls, their family would go ahead and set the rule that they should not bring electronics. And my my personal policy was always just don't bring anything that you wouldn't want lost or destroyed. You also want to consider girls and their particular individual needs. So there could be girls who have special needs. There could be girls who have specific particular individual needs that you just don't know. And so rather than making any assumptions or being already at camp and not being able to accommodate girls and their needs, make sure that you're having open-hearted conversations privately with the adults in your girls' lives to set them up to have a great experience. Some girls who have special needs may need a particular chaperone to come with them uh, to be able to be their buddy at camp and just to make sure that um, they have that extra level of caretaking. Some girls may have medication needs. Some girls may have any variety of considerations, accessibility, and so on and so forth that you just need to have discussions with the adults in their lives so that you know what is going to help the girls have a really successful and happy experience. You want to also be on the lookout for silos, clicks, and bullying. Just remind girls of the Girl Scout promise and law as needed. It's really easy for girls to buddy up with a friend or two, so that's not necessarily a problem, but just make sure that it's not at the expense of other girls and that no one's being excluded. And you want to look for opportunities to mix up girls and allow girls to get to know their friends that their troop friends that they may not know as well. So this is always a double-edged sword for me. I would definitely mix it up of sometimes putting best friends together and sometimes separating them so that they're forced to get to know other people. And to spend a little bit of time getting to know other people, I would not make it just a habit of always separating best friends because honestly, part of the reason why they're encouraged to continue coming back is because they want that extra time with their best friend. And there's just no reason to me to create bad feelings among them that they always have to be separated just because they're friends. So as long as it's not destructive to other girls or hurtful to other girls, I actually like letting friends stay together, but I just also like to switch it up so that they are kind of forced to be inclusive. But inclusivity, honestly, is not typically a problem. I think most girls want to include each other, and sometimes there's issues with uh, other things that are going on, maybe outside of Girl Scouts or whatnot at school and other friendships and other relationships that can sometimes get in the way. And so we just work on our relationship development to work through those issues as much as possible. But similarly, I also don't try to put girls that I know are going to be damaging and destructive together. So from the standpoint of just like I like to keep friends together, I'm not trying to make girls who don't get along sort out their differences. They'll kind of work that out on their own but keep it a safe space for the girls. So, you know, if you're contributing to or doing the plans for who's in what car in carpool or who's sleeping in what tent, if you are split into multiple tents, it just doesn't make sense to put a girl with her bully or to put two girls who are really battling and at each other's throats into a situation where it's not going to be an emotionally safe situation for them or frankly, for the other girls who have to be around them. 
So just kind of paying attention to what the relationships are among the girls. You also want to develop a list of camp capers before going camping. And so a caper is basically like a chore or a responsibility. So you want to develop a list of what kind of chores and responsibilities are going to take place. So it's going to include things during setup. It's going to include things during each mealtime. It's going to definitely include things during packing up and cleaning up. If you're at a Girl Scout camp property, a great example of this is um, there's a checkout list that you usually have to do before you leave the camp property that has to get approved by the camp manager on site. So things like wiping down the mattresses and cleaning the bathroom and things like that, all kinds of camp capers that are involved in that. So thinking about what all of those capers are going to be and then going ahead and deciding who's going to do what ahead of time um, is a great thing that you can do. Or you can also allow the girls to pick as the trip unfolds. Just kind of be prepared of what's going to be expected and make sure the girls know what kind of stuff is going to be expected. The last thing I want to touch on, and I'm not going to spend like too much time on this because they could be entire episodes on their own. There's some campy type things that you want to teach. Uh, You can do these ahead of time and you definitely should, but you're also probably going to want to touch on them as part of your camp programming. So one of these things is leave no trace. As girls get older, you can teach them more and more and go more in depth. But even daisies can understand the basic rules of leave no trace and why we don't leave behind trash, and why we don't disturb nature. You also want to talk about safety, and you want to really be implementing safety things with them. So this is something to teach and practice ahead of time, and then definitely to implement when you're actually on your camping trip. You want to use buddy systems at all times. Nobody's going anywhere by themselves. You always tell an adult where you're headed. So even if you're taking your buddy, you and your buddy need to tell somebody where you're going. Um, an adult in your group where you're going. You should avoid water activities unless it's planned and you're with a registered and trained adult volunteer on that specific activity. You um, need to know what poison ivy looks like and check in with the the camp ranger or the camp manager because they're going to have insight on what to look out for at camp. Stay hydrated even if it's cold. Wear sunscreen and bug repellent. So make sure parents are providing their own. In some councils, parents or guardians may have to sign a waiver or permission slip for their girls to apply it. And some parents and guardians are definitely going to have opinions about what what girls are coming into contact with when it comes to products like that. And so um, another thing that you can do if you are going to bring your own that is available for troop use You want to make sure that parents kind of all know what it is that you're bringing and have the opportunity to opt out or to give their permission that you're able to apply it. You also want to uh, talk about like camp setup and camp equipment. So one thing my troop practiced before we went was tent setup. And so they practice putting up a tent. They practice taking it down. They practice rolling up sleeping bags. These are things that are kind of basic. But if you've never done it, it can be really hard to do on site and it can be really confusing, especially for kids. And specifically with rolling up sleeping bags, it's just always a nightmare because there are girls who have never done it and are stressed out and they do a terrible job and it's just a nightmare. And so they need to be able to roll up their own sleeping bag. And then another thing that we practiced, that we taught and practiced before we went, had to do with fire safety. So we talked a lot about how fires are started. 
We talked about ways to stay safe around fires and some general responsibility and practices, and we did this with girls of all ages, so starting as daisies, to make sure that they were not scared of the fire, but also that they didn't do anything stupid around the fire. So these are all things that we taught beforehand and then we could practice. All right. I hope this has been a helpful episode for you. I feel like we've talked a lot about what to do with troop camp, what troop camp looks like, how to plan troop camp. I have previously done an episode about planning the ultimate Girl Scout sleepover. If you'd like to see an episode of planning the ultimate Girl Scout camp out, let me know. We can do something like that for sure. If there's anything else you want to hear about that's specific to camp, whether that's meals or equipment or activities or (laughs) fire safety or leave no trace or really anything please let me know you can either contact me in the facebook group we have that ask me anything thread or you can send me an email at girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com by the way if you're not in the facebook group it's just facebook.com slash girlscoutpodcast see y'all next week